God damn it. Welcome to another episode of All the WrestleManias podcast. We hope you enjoyed our most recent episode, a popcorn match for Black History Month on Black representation in pro wrestling, and a review of WrestleMania 18 featuring The Rock versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan. We had a lot of fun recording them for you, and we're excited to be back in the studio again today. This episode, we thought we'd try something a little bit different. We've got a full event review for an event that is not a WrestleMania. So I guess we could call this not the WrestleManias or something along those lines. Not uh, just WrestleMania. Not just WrestleManias. Yeah. We're going to need a new logo, so Rich, you're going to have to get on that. On it. Yeah, I figured. But as we were researching our last popcorn match episode, we discovered that Junkyard Dog was the first black performer to main event a WWF pay-per-view way back in 1985. So we thought, well, let's, you know, let's take a look at that show. And it turns out that show was called the wrestling classic it was the very first pay-per-view held by the company after the success of the original wrestlemania it was held november 7th 1985 about eight months after the first wrestlemania which of course was march of that year we'd say it's sort of a forgotten event uh so we thought it'd be fun to revisit it sort of viewing it in the context of some of the wrestlemanias that come both before and after and of course we're always up for a chance to watch some of our old school favorite guys like tito santana Paul Orndorff, Roddy Piper, and the Macho Man, Randy Savage. This one has a fun twist, a 16-man tournament that makes up almost the entire card, with the exception of one Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Piper match stuck near the end as sort of the main event. The format is very similar to the tournament that we will get later in WrestleMania 4, uh, which coincidentally also has Macho Man going all the way to the end of the round. So the venue for the Wrestling Classic was the Rosemont Horizon, Rosemont, Illinois, outside of Chicago. Coincidentally, also one of the three sites that was used for WrestleMania II. There was an estimated attendance of around 14,000. We've got Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura on the mic, who are two of my favorites in terms of play-by-play and uh, commentators. And of course, Mean Gene and Lord Alfred Hayes on the interviews backstage. Say we're ready to get into it. <laughs> So this show opens up with a vignette of a pretty lady with Vince McMahon and Lord Alfred Hayes drawing the names for the tournament. Um, and it was slow, and I started immediately thinking that I'm regretting starting this, <laughs> and I should have never started watching this. The big board that they use for the uh, tournament is looks like you know an elementary school art project uh, with like pictures of the wrestlers. It's a sort of an odd color, and it, it's um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, real quick, run out the Woolworths to get markers and a poster board, a ruler to draw some straight lines. Some glue, don't forget the glue. And then we had an interview of President Jack Tunney, totally a puppet (laughs) position. Jack is not very ready for television and is very nervous and is kind of mumbling and stuttering. I, again, am regretting that I started watching this. <laughs> it's it's a little it's a little choppy, yeah, for sure. And then we finally got to the first match, and we went down to the ring, and the first match was Adrian Adonis versus Corporal Kirshner. What did you think of, of this match? It was surprising to me, actually, how much I liked Adrian Adonis throughout this event. Uh, we saw him in yeah. a couple of WrestleManias where, you know, he was sort of past his prime, you know, a little very overweight. He could still move a good bit but just not really out there doing anything you know particularly of note but he actually looks really good here he's he's sort of got this i don't know this kind of old school like 
tough guy looking thing. He's got he's got frosted tips, but he also has like a leather jacket. So it's a it's a little confusing. This is like some sort of like pretty boy gimmick. Mm-hmm. I think they called it at some point during the night. I noted that Adonis is no Adonis, <laughs> no. but I really actually dug him in this and that like i really like the the grappling quick finish it had a very like authentic mm-hmm. feel and that's something that i felt throughout all the matches in the show actually is that all the matches felt very like authentic sporting event kind of thing and not some sort of fixed theater yeah. and we'll talk a little bit too about some of the finishes in this particular pay-per-view are, are crazy as hell there's there's some stuff on yeah. here that we haven't seen really before anywhere before or since so that that's very interesting i think so corporal kirchner you know not, not to give him a short shift but i had a pretty short run into wwf from what i remembered i sort of thought of him as a more athletic sergeant slaughter uh, and he was actually in the military which uh, sergeant slaughter was not kirchner did look impressive and mm-hmm. like he's ripped and him and Adonis really go at it pretty good. And then the finish was a stunning finish in this match. So Kirshner goes to suplex Adonis, but Adonis reverses the suplex into a face buster kind of thing that looked, oh my God, like I, horrible yeah, and violent. Um, and like stunned him and yeah. got a pin out of it. So, and the crowd <laughs> went nuts. Like this Chicago crowd had already been pre-gaming on hot dogs and beer in the parking lot for seven hours Clearly. before the show started. They were fired up when Adonis yeah. wins this thing. Oh, and they show actually a slow-mo replay of it. And it even on slow-mo and it, they don't do the WWE thing that they do now, which is where they cut away from the the actual impact so that you can't see that it's fake and you, you know so they show the whole thing start to finish in slow-mo and it, it still looks like hella tough and then after that match adonis uh delivers an amazing line in a promo of uh know the difference between a padlock <laughs> and a wrist lock criticizing kirshner like he's like kirshner's crap he doesn't know the difference between a padlock and a wrist lock like that that yeah, that line solid. got me. I like that a lot. Well, who was next then? The next match was then the Dynamite Kid yes. uh, versus Nikolai Volkov. I mean, I was excited for this one. Uh, we we you know obviously we got yeah. quite a bit of uh, British Bulldogs in the WrestleManias that we've watched, but you don't see um, the Dynamite Kid all that all that often solo. So it was nice to see him here doing his thing. Yeah, and he doesn't get to do mm-hmm. a lot of his thing though. Nikolai comes out, he sings the entire Russian national anthem and the crowd is ready to destroy (laughs) the auditorium to get to him. And then right as he finishes dynamite kid drop kicks him from the top rope and rolls him up for a pin. Yeah. And we're done. It's crazy. I, I love, love, love <laughs> Nikolai Volkov singing the Russian national anthem as a as a heat generator. I think it's one of the all-time great moves, honestly, along with Iron Sheik, you know, spitting on the America around number one US two, you know, that that sort of thing. I, I think it's yeah. fan fucking fantastic. And I love to see it. And I love the crowd's predictable uh ape shit reaction to it every time too. It makes me makes me laugh. Yeah, they can't handle it. They they completely forget that it's theater and that Iron Sheik is an American <laughs> citizen and is in love right. with living in the USA. And same with Nikolai Volkov. He's the same deal. Like and then but the crowd just loses yeah. their shit every single time. Also, Nikolai Volkov, not actually Russian. So, yeah, that so that drop kick uh, looks again, they hit it with the slow mo. Uh, replay and it looks even more impressive the second time around dynamite you know looks like a million bucks here this is obviously before he sort of had his kind of long stretch of injuries that sort of led to him stopping wrestling and he he just takes it to him that was hot um and then after that uh we were blessed (laughs) 
with a Macho Man Randy Savage promo. It's always a treat when Macho Man, especially when he's working heel, mm-hmm. has the mic. He turns his back to the camera at one point and goes, I'm as quick as a cat. Quick as a cat. <laughs> and then he like snaps back around to the camera. It's to show how quick he is. Just, yeah, it's amazing. And I always love that Macho gets so into talking on the mic that he turns his back to yeah. the camera. Like every wrestler always maintains that facial contact with, with the camera. But Macho Man doesn't care. Right. You can look at his back through the entire damn thing. He's got his point to and say. And it's still better than most of the promos out there. So I, I wrote down my favorite quote from that one was, I'm hyper and I'm ready and I'm nervous. <laughs> That's great. Hashtag blessed. And then that promo leads us into Macho Man's match against Ivan Putsky. The Polish Hammer. Maybe the greatest nickname of all time. I'm maybe willing to fight somebody about that. So Putsky is uh, an absolute unit. Looks like he's looks tall. Oh my god, he's tall. He looks like he spits nails. I that yeah. guy is that guy looks tough as hell. And they actually they spit in each other's faces to start this one off. That's how you get COVID, <laughs> the, among other things. But the crowd is is definitely digging it. Putsky actually looks like his name should be Adrian Adonis. <laughs> That's a good one. They don't work very long in this one, and Macho gets uh like he's basically like hugging the ropes or something to like and like holding down Putsky and like Putsky's like actually reaching over Macho's back, trying to point at the ropes, but the ref doesn't see it, gets the three count, and Macho rolls out. Doesn't stick around for any kind of celebration. Yeah. I thought that was the most blatant legs on ropes finish I've ever seen. Uh, I don't think yeah. you'd really get away with that these days. You know, the fans would no. would just not buy it. Um, but that's some great healing by Randy, I gotta say. Yeah, and it's an opening round match, so you're not going to get like President Jack Tunney has come to the ring to reverse the decision right. or anything like that happening. None of that bullshit's happening here. The ref didn't see it. The ref is the wall in the ring, and that's it. Yep. Well, next up is uh, two of our other favorite guys, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat uh, versus the British yeah. Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. So I'm I'm excited because I love both of these guys. And, you know, Ricky's in my all-time top 10. He's so athletic, so fast, so smooth. Uh, he always sort of flows, you know, chains one movement to the next, which I, I really like. I also think he always looks super cool in his yeah. karate outfit and his headband and stuff. Yeah, it's a very 80s, I'm badass look. And I always think that he looks mm-hmm. the most legit of everybody. He always looks like he he's definitely a real fighter. These guys definitely go at it. Davey Boy is, is so strong. He does these overhead press slams thing that he would do pretty much through his entire career, I think, where he just holds the other guy up and just, just holds him, walks around with him. He does it multiple times to Ricky Steamboat in this match, and his arms yeah. never shake. And, like, I mean, Ricky's giving him a bit of a help with the jump to get up there, but once he's up there, Ricky can't do anything to yeah, help he's him. He's just dead weight at that point. These guys went were moving real fast through the whole match. This is some amazing yeah. uh, British Bulldog footage, and this is... Even though it's a short match, it's one of his best, and it's also one of Ricky Steamboat's best, in my opinion. And they're they're going at it so hard, and then this has yeah. a weird finish to it. Yeah, so D- Davy Boy kind of nuts himself on the top rope. The ref waves off the end of the match, um, and Ricky sort of helps him out, and you know, shakes his hand and all this stuff. Great, you know, great sportsmanship from Ricky the Dragon, of of course, because he's an amazing human being. In addition to being an amazing wrestler, 
We love you, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Um, I yeah, I agree. The only my only criticism for this match is, is this one was super short. Um, I could watch those guys go all day. I really wish they had been matched up against different people at the start so that both of them could have continued yeah. into the into the tournament a little bit. Yeah, longer. this could have been like a best of nineteen falls for me. So after that super weird finish, we're blessed again with a junkyard dog promo after this match. And he he's a fast talking, smooth talking guy. I did note one notable quote out of it that I was able to pick up because he was talking so fast was congratulations to the chicago <laughs> the, the chicago so he's congratulating the city for hosting this event oh okay he's such a nice guy yeah. no that's very thoughtful we talked about his uh theme music on the uh, most recent popcorn <laughs> match about black representation grab them cakes grab them cakes it's it's great um so yeah i Am, am I hallucinating that he he did use another one bites the dust for his theme song eventually, right? I think he did, but this was so around this time WWF also put out the wrestling album. Right. And Grab Them Cakes is on that album. Though it's not performed by Junkyard Dog, but also on that album, I Am a Real American, which becomes Hulk Hogan's theme song after this event. Yeah. So the next time that we see him at WrestleMania too, he's a real American. I think we all knew though. So you said you yeah. said recently you're you were letting your kid listen to the the real American theme song. Um, yeah, he he jammed to it. He rocked <laughs> out. He started slapping on the couch, waving his hands in the air. He's a real American too. That's awesome. So proud. You know who's not a real American? Who's that? That Bubba Iron Sheik who Junkyard Dog had to fight. Ugh, what a jabroni. Decided if I like watching him wrestle or reading his Twitter better, but uh, it's it's okay to like two it's things. It's a close it's a close race Absolutely. between those two. Yeah, Iron Sheik is getting getting strong heat immediately. Um, he gives the crowd a uh, a bras d'honneur. <laughs> Good old arm salute to everybody. <laughs> Uh, yes i think he even spits on a fan at one point nice. like this man knows how to get heat and how to anger a crowd i don't know how he didn't get stabbed to death in one of these cities honestly it's really amazing like he has to have some sort of security or they're letting him park in the basement of the arena yeah. and he can drive out in an unmarked car so there wasn't much technicality to this match no it was pretty it was yeah. pretty just just brawl. brawl yeah I, I said yeah. uh, J. I wrote down that JYD gives uh, the Sheik the Irish whip, and then he does this kind of like weird one-legged bounce off of the rope. Looks like he maybe was just missed a step or something. Um, yeah, kind of sort of sort of struck me wrong. Um, and then at the end, of course, JYD does this big headbutt. Yeah, I also noted that this match in this time period could have been a main event if Hulk Hogan wasn't around. Because JYD, Junkyard Dog, definitely had like a lot of crowd support behind him. His pop is is actually bigger in this match than what the pop that Hogan gets. Yeah, JYD, JYD was huge. I mean, I just well, we'll we'll see it a few more times in this this particular pay per view. But he, uh, the crowd was, they, man, they were all they were all in for him. After that match, we have Terry Funk giving a promo. <laughs> I'm concerned for Terry Funk's health at this point in time. He did not sound sober whatsoever. No. It's not good. I said this before, but Terry Funk has just always looked old. He looks the same. He now. looks the exact same. I have I he could either be like forty five or he could be seventy five here. But he's up next, uh, in the tournament here with a guy named Moondog Spot, who is um, one that we were not familiar with. His real name was Larry Booker. He's not around anymore. He's got a super impressive beard and jeans kind of cut off and an honest to God rope belt. He's got quite a look. Yeah, he's carrying around like a cow bone or something like that. Yeah. So this is another weird match, if you want to call it that. 
So Terry Funk tries to convince the slow and dim-witted Moondog Spot into just getting out of the ring and taking a double count out with Terry and then trying to convince him that, you know, they'll both win. They'll both move forward in the tournament if it's a double count out. Um, <laughs> That's not how that works, Terry. No. Um, and it's very clear that Terry's is trying to lure Moondog to get out of the ring and then Funk would uh, run back. But there's some sort of like weird interaction that happens just outside of the ring and funk suddenly couldn't get back into the ring while moondog got back in and moondog wins by count out and moves forward <laughs> the bamboozler becomes the bamboozled yeah i mean yeah this show this match was mostly all show there was no no action to it whatsoever so i'm struggling not to call it a match <laughs> it's yeah it's a little bit of uh filler for sure so after the bell he uh terry is, is mad about being outsmarted by the Allman Brothers fourth roadie, attacks him after the bell, and uh, that, that's pretty much the end of that. Um, and then after that was a Don Morocco promo, and all I really noted out of that was that uh, Morocco had this amazing shirt. It was like his name in like neon with an ocean wave over it or something. It was like the most quintessential 1980s souvenir shirt you can imagine. That shirt was pretty dope. It looked like uh, something you would buy at like Santa Monica when you're on vacation, uh, or Hawaii, maybe you could probably sell one of those for two hundred bucks easily on eBay. Oh, for sure, if you could find one, yeah, maybe that hasn't been stretched out by uh, Morocco's neck. <laughs> maybe even more if it has some, um, you know, Morocco uh, blood or sweat, sweat on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that guy's that guy's an absolute unit too. He's a friggin' yeah. beast. Um, so that actually brings us to the next match, which features another one of uh, the our uh, favorites. And that is Tito Santana versus Don Morocco. Yay, Tito. I was really impressed by this match. I was really into it. I I don't know. I, I can't place my finger on to why I was, but there was like some impressive technical stuff happening between the two, even though Tito is giving up probably at least 50 pounds to Don Morocco. They, it still seems like an even fight. And there's a lot of uh, give and take in this match that I really got into. Yeah, we saw Don Morocco in a couple of uh, WrestleManias, and he never really did anything for either of us, I don't think. I was never impressed by him, but then this match, I see this match, and I'm like, I'm starting to kind of understand why people liked him and how he was over with the crowd, especially as a face. Yeah, and actually, so after this, I started watching, uh, there's another compilation on the Peacock um, called WWF grudge matches and you know it's one of the another one of those coliseum home videos um some of the matches i don't even think were necessarily on tv because gorilla monsoon is doing what is clearly like studio voiceover not live announcing and there's a match on there between morocco and hulk hogan where they beat the absolute snot out of each other and i i was super impressed honestly with morocco in the ring in that particular one he looks you know, he looks tough as hell. Uh, his moves are, you know, legitimate looking. Uh, and he actually works really well with Hogan, which I didn't necessarily expect. So, and then he looks good against Tito Santana as well. And again, this match has a weird finish. Yeah. yeah. Morocco power slams Tito and then uh, goes for the pin. But Tito gets his foot on the ropes. And the ref made it to three. Uh, but then the ref noticed that Tito's foot was on the ropes at the three count. And so he calls off the win, but Morocco doesn't know. And while he's celebrating his victory over good old Tito, he gets rolled up by Tito, and Tito then scores the real three-count win. <laughs> Yet another bamboozle. 
I think it's probably hard to have a bad match against Tito Santana. Honestly, he's one of our favorites. He was my mom's favorite when we used to watch wrestling on Saturday mornings. She always thought he was great. Co-host Rich got me a, a really awesome cameo video from Tito Santana for uh, for something that we were doing recently, and I uh, I treasure it. It's like Tito is talking directly to me, so I'm I'm a member of the Tito Santana fan club for life. Yeah, he cuts a he cuts a pretty hot promo for you. <laughs> it was good. I felt inspired after I watched it. So uh, even after uh, after that match, I'm already noting that this event is actually really amazing. Yeah, this this uh, this event is going strong, I have to say. So then we have a, a Bobby Heenan promo after that, yes. and he claims that he is recruiting talent at this tournament. Yeah, as Bobby Heenan's always working, he's always working. Yeah, he's got a hustle. Yeah, he says the creme de la creme is here tonight. Uh, so he's he's definitely he's looking for more. Uh, talent for his Heenan stable. After that, we have a uh, Cowboy Bob Orton versus Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Yes. So I actually noted immediately that I'm not used to these two being opponents to each other, and that I guess I think this is actually the point in time that uh, Hogan and Paul Orndorff are best friends. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely some trading of uh, alliances between. You know, those guys and Piper was in the mix there, too. And, you know, they had, of course, right. their, their big tag match at the first WrestleMania. So I love seeing Paul Orndorff in his prime. Another just absolute stud. He's, again, a, a legit tough guy. Great moves. He's so pumped up. He uh, comes he comes out really fast in this one. He starts working on Orton's arm, which is sort of perpetually in that cast. Um, just, just wailing on yeah. him. I don't know that I ever really appreciated how great he was when I was a kid and he was always a heel, you know, so it's just like, Oh, look at this pompous jackass. Uh, but now I, you know, every time I see him, yeah. I'm just, I'm so impressed just with his, his physique and his moves and his, his selling too. He's great. Yeah. I was only really familiar with Orndorff's late work in WCW, like his, the end of the end of his career stuff. And he was okay. He still worked fine, but like I, I didn't get it, but now like that we've been watching this old stuff is like, yeah, he gets, he deserves that name, Mr. Wonderful. Like he, he is a solid worker and he looks very smooth and very skilled and talented in everything that he does. And that helmet of hair that he has, <laughs> it's, just, it's, oh, super it's so impressive. beautiful. Yeah, he was great. Um, his family actually runs a, a, his Twitter account still, uh, and they post some actually really cool videos of him and his prime that I've been really enjoying lately. So Bob also is, is no slouch in this match. He's looking good too. He's doing some great moves. He's working hard as, as being the asshole that he is. <laughs> um, I did note that I hate every Orton. No. Um, I don't like Randy. I don't like Bob, but Bob is at least talented. Yeah. There's a, there's a moment where uh, they have to blur out Bob Orton's ass crack <laughs> uh, when or Orndorff uses him to, uses it to uh, pull him down i th i thought we um, i thought i had flipped over to cops by accident when that happened just a little <laughs> pixelated everything yeah, and then um there was a um really impressive moment they do the back bridge pin spot you know that that spot that everybody does now where um the guy's on top and then they do a back bridge out of it and but then orton reverses the that into a pin uh, a pin attempt and that really impressed me like that was like some real technical mat work happening and that was a uh, really yeah, enjoyable not to mention core strength i wrote down that it's actually interesting how few moves a lot of these matches entail um you know there's you know maybe you'll get a suplex and a body slam or a submission hold or you know kind of one 
impressive move like this, but uh, they really tend to run sort of the combos of the same few moves, you know, on, you know, the arm drag, take down, back up, do it again, that sort of thing. Um, and it's, it's great. I'm not knocking it at all, um, but it's interesting to see how much more complicated modern wrestling has gotten um and it doesn't necessarily make it better that's that's i guess is my point i think a lot of the choreographed stuff that we see in today's wrestling is very bland like and it's very obvious that like you can see them waiting for their opponent to do the move you can like and then the move still lands like you see him climbing to the top rope you know he's going to jump on you and you don't do anything (laughs) you stand there there and take it or or six six guys gather around to wait for the guy to jump over the top rope and land on them with his butt. Right. Um, so you got a lot. You don't have that happening here. You have what looks like legitimate competitive mm-hmm. moves, even though you know because you're a wrestling fan, you know that they're they're really working and they're bumping and they're accompanying each other with these things. It's like dancing, but it doesn't right. look it. It looks like a fight. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, maybe that's a function of just having fewer things to keep track of, right? And you don't necessarily, you don't have to plug in these huge spots. You just kind of let it go organically. And everybody knows, you know, sort of these this, these standard sets of moves, right? The, the yeah. back body drop, the, uh, you know, the Irish whip into the clothesline, those kinds of things. And it's, it's much easier sort of call in the ring to make it look and feel you know, organic and spontaneous, but it's a little bit like, you know, music or the blues, right? Everybody's sort of playing with the same set of notes. Um, and it's just, you have certain phrases that you know to put together, you know, they sound good. You know, this is especially a thing in, in the blues. Um, and so if you have another musician who is also versed in the same genre, you guys can riff, you know, for hours and hours with the same relatively small combination of sounds. So, and I think that's kind of what we see. I think anything that makes... I think the stuff that makes for great art is people who are really good at using a limited set of tools and techniques to, to make something that's really remarkable. Right. I mean, case in point is Hulk Hogan. His entire career is body slam, three punches, big boot, <laughs> leg yep. drop. And it friggin' works. And it friggin' works. Every match. Hogan gets his ass kicked. He gets up. He shakes his head. He points at him. Punches him three times, throws him into the ropes, big boot, drops the leg, one, two, three. Doesn't matter who it is, Andre the Giant, The Rock, doesn't matter. That is the sequence and the combo and the motion of events that happens. And for 20 years, you love it. You like it. You love it. And that's all you're going to get from him. And he doesn't care. Right. And it's okay, honestly, because there's also something, there's something exciting uh, about the predictability of it for, you know, if that's not too counterintuitive to say. Yeah. It's kind of a paradox. Like, you know, it's coming, but you yeah, love it anyway. Oh, shit. And it surprises Here you. Here comes every the hawk up. And then everybody knows to get hype, you know? So anyway, we cut backstage to take a look at the big uh, Michaels Crafts tournament board again. And uh, Lord Alfred Hayes is, is trying to make out with the model there which is really gross it's a very uncomfortable like moment at all because uh, he's he's gross um and she looks i know it's i know it's not real but she looks uncomfortable um, she's just there to point at the pictures of the wrestlers with a stick she doesn't need this guy on her case yeah i mean in his defense though she was looking uncomfortable before <laughs> he started making those moves as well like she just like 
is standing there like stiff and awkward and shifting her eyes back yeah. and forth and stuff. And then she's like, in our first match. <laughs> and she points with the stick. And like, uh, it was one of those moments again where I was like, oh, I should not yeah. have started watching this. It wasn't necessary. Is, oh, God. Well, I think yeah. today they would just put up a graphic right you don't you don't have to make the michaels board and have somebody no. stand there and point at it you just put up a graphic so yeah and so after this this is where like you legitimately feel sad for terry <laughs> funk he comes on and he cuts another promo um he interrupts whatever is happening in the program and and starts claiming that he could and should beat everyone else and starts insulting alfred hayes for some reason and he even gets bleeped yeah. at one point during this. And I have no, I, I couldn't even parse together what he could have possibly said. Yeah, I, <laughs> Like, I don't know if he dropped the F word randomly in there. Yeah. I couldn't figure um, it out from the context either. I even backed it up and watched it a second time. Cause you know, a lot of times you can tell, right. You just from the words before and after, but I think, right. I think he maybe just threw in a random F word. Maybe, you know, his horse was sick. So, yeah. And like all the words are slurred together too and tied together his eyes are all over the place. He's sweating, um, even though he didn't really have a match. <laughs> you can tell that Vince is recognizing that something yeah. weird is happening. His... <laughs> that Terry's not the, right. The look on Vince's face is, is priceless. Like, he's just... And Vince is like, this paper is gone. genuinely this concerned. Is this is the end. I'm sure WrestleMania 2 is booked right. at this point. I should probably just cancel it. This is the end. Thanks, Terry. Let's wrap this uh... up. <laughs> so that took us into the uh, yes. Elite Eight uh, round ready. here. And that round starts with Adrian Adonis versus Dynamite Kid. Yeah, what a what a matchup of uh, opposites, I would say. Yeah, uh, I mean, there is some impressive stuff that happens in this match, and this is the match that I'm suddenly like, do I like Adrian <laughs> right. Adonis? Is he good? Like, is he yeah. good? Because like he's actually kind of keeping up with mm-hmm. Dynamite Kid, despite his uh, Dusty Rhodes appearance. And then Dynamite Kid lands a gut wrench suplex on Adrian Adonis. Like Adrian's is like a, a bag of ice from Seven Eleven. He just throws him over and is like, "Good God, Dynamite Kid! How like, like you're fast and you're that strong? Like that that shouldn't be happening." Yeah. Um. But Adonis uses a sharpshooter in this match, um, which was impressive to see him land that. Gorilla Monsoon called it something else. I think he might have called it like an Indian Deathlock mm. or something like that, possibly. But it's that's not what that is. That was definitely a sharpshooter. Yeah. So that was a. Uh, this this match was kind of a surprise yeah. for me and uh, you know for a second adrian adonis appearance here in the same special i i agree i thought I, he was great his look is is something else you know like i say he's got the leather jacket with a patch on the back he's got sort of feathered and highlighted hair uh, you know again he looks like a big iron maiden fan or, or maybe more of a judas priest fan i don't know i would say he he bumps super well for a dynamite kid he catches those uh arm drag takedowns and he bounces off the canvas like a super ball man um and he's also impressively light on his feet for such a big guy uh i think i might actually need to go watch more old adrian adonis matches yeah because i mean the adrian adonis that we saw in in the last wrestlemania that he was in um it was yeah. not good and i think he was like wasn't he wearing like a pink tutu or he something was, like that and that and was like, a hair a hair match it was very effeminate yeah yeah it wasn't it wasn't great so yeah adonis is managed by jimmy hart um we yes. should mention so it's a nice nice to see jimmy hart this early and he ends up bumping into jimmy hart because jimmy hart's jumped up onto the ring apron as managers do Adonis collides and bumps his head right into Jimmy's uh, megaphone and uh, Dynamite Kid rolls yep. him up. Onwards we One, two, went. Three. Thanks for coming, Adrian Adonis. 
Jesse Ventura cut the promo with Mean Gene next. Mean Gene tells Jesse he's biased, uh, which I really made me laugh. There's another, I think it's on one of the WrestleManias actually, where Gorilla Monsoon sort of stops mid-sentence and says, why are you so biased? It's a Jesse it always makes me crack up. It's always, it's always interesting when Jesse Ventura is on the commentary because he also will call out bullshit. Like there's that one uh, SummerSlam where uh, someone is his compatriot says well you know he hit him with the chair outside of the ring so you can't be disqualified for it and jesse ventura just turns to him like so you telling me that i could shoot my opponent outside of the ring with a gun (laughs) and then drag him into the ring and pin him and i win he's got a point yeah uh so jesse ventura is the man who tells him like that's what he says here in this promo with me gene so i guess i'm sorry for doubting him so and it's kind of weird that an announcer is cutting a promo with me and gene at this point but We'll take yeah. it, whatever. No, I, I, I do get a kick out of Jesse. Um, next up is Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat. Um, this is two years before their epic match at WrestleMania 3, which, of course, everybody is familiar with. But, you know, I sort of looked up to see if, all right, was this the start of that feud? Uh, but no, actually, in between, Savage had a year-long program with Georgie Animal Steel. Uh, I don't know why it took, you know, WWF so long to put these guys back together because they're obviously magic together at wrestlemania 3 and they're both uh, really exciting here together as well feud with george Steele was kind of interesting though was, uh, like elizabeth was sympathetic to him it was kind of like a king kong kind of story it was interesting yeah it was um it's a bit more complex than what you would expect out of wrestling at this <laughs> yeah. point in time. he was always carrying her off you know like you said like king kong with fey ray and so macho man is in different ring attire mm-hmm. for this match um, which I thought was kind of interesting. So, like, he's definitely flashy. He's definitely showing it off. And he's pulling all the standard heel tactics where he holds Elizabeth in front of him to shield him, uh, to keep Ricky from attacking him. But then Macho lands as what uh, Gorilla Monsoon dubs a Pearl Harbor job on uh, Ricky Steamboat. I, I I guess that means he's he jumped him from yeah, behind. Sneak, or sneak I don't attack. know. I think there's other sneak attacks in history <laughs> that's than the Pearl only Harbor, one, Rich. But, that's the only one. And I don't even think that was much of a sneak yeah. attack. But anyways, we're not going to get into uh, World War II <laughs> history at this point. But these guys are working fast. Yeah. No, they're they're super hot here right from the start. <laughs> Gorilla says that uh, Macho Man's just like a cat, which is a callback, of course, to his earlier promo. Goddamn genius uh, calling back Amazing. to these things. Gorilla Monster. Ricky is is devastating Macho Man with chops. The arena is echoing in these chops, and is like it's, it's like Ric Flair's in the ring or something. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's he's beating the, the crap out of his chest for sure. Macho goes for the double axe handle off of the ropes and gets a shot to the old breast basket instead. Uh, another monsoonism. I, I I love Gorilla Monsoon. I just I love his commentary on like everything that he's doing. The way he he calls matches and uses fake scientific <laughs> terms but he's also really talking from yeah. experience so it's really interesting to hear him call matches and the way he calls them it feels more like a legitimate sporting event and not just storytelling that he's he's calling the moves he's calling the action like it's like it's a baseball game or a boxing match as opposed to being a narrator for the overall picture and i I'm I really dig it. Yeah, he's great. And he had great interplay with, uh, you know, his various co-hosts, uh, Jesse Ventura, obviously, maybe being sort of the most famous, longest running one. And, the, you know, the two of them together, I thought were really good. Um, that grudge matches compilation that I was just mentioning earlier, um, he's doing, again, sort of studio voiceover work on the 
on some of the matches. And so you get to kind of hear him talking in a sort of more uh, normal, less, you know, stadium or arena voice um, and also not have to interact with somebody like Jesse. And so, which is really interesting. I think you would probably dig that because like he really, like you said, it, it makes it seem like a, you know, legitimate sporting event. This match is is good, um, but it just doesn't have the same fire that their WrestleMania three match had. And Macho pulls out something from his trunks, nails uh, Ricky right in the face with it. Down he went one, two, three. And again, Macho Man runs <laughs> like hell out of there. There's a shower of trash uh, right as he's going out of ringside, and some of it even beans him in the head. I noticed that's one of the things I love watching these old shows. Actually, is the is the crowds throwing trash. They don't let you do that anymore, which is a real shame. Jim Cornette always talks about how back yeah. in the day they had real heat. Like they, the heels actually needed like police escorts about to the ring and because people would try to attack them. And like, it, it always has this like feel of authenticity when like you see like the arena security walking the wrestler to the ring. But then you hear stories from Jim Cornette to where, that's necessary yeah. and it's as terrifying yeah, and he um he also was talking about you know some of the heels would kind of hang out sometimes like in the back so they could all sort of duck out together um so that they would have sort of each other for protection so i mean it could have been i mean i'm sure it was legitimately scary um in some of those territories you know especially if somebody with a gimmick like the iron sheik you know sort of an anti-american kind of thing or yeah you know any of that yeah but anyway so after this match we are um <laughs> not blessed by a promo mm. by Moondog Spot. I noted that he speaks uh, Appalachian gibberish and that I feel like he might be like uh, that Gabby Johnson <laughs> guy from Blazing Saddles that just gets up. <laughs> I thought maybe it was uh, Proto Boomhauer, you know, from King of the Hill. So he brings his uh, security bone yeah. to the interview, is the cow bone or whatever it is he's carrying around. That's his emotional support yeah. bone. Well, I'm glad it, him alone. I'm, if it helps him, you know, whatever. It's fine. So Moondog is up next against uh, JYD. Um, I wrote, I don't, I, does anybody really think the Moondog's going all the way um, in this tournament? No, there's no way. I mean, you know, (laughs) you know, Junkyard Dog's winning this. I mean, I guess they could have been, they could have pulled a a shocker, um, but I think it's, that's so obvious that they don't even bother sending a ref out (laughs) for this match. The crowd, as we noted, sort of really pops for JYD's entrance. They basically just come out and brawl, and JYD lands a headbutt, pins Moondog Spot, and counts to three himself. And like Gorilla Monsoon's like, I don't think that's going to be official. But then Howard Finkel gets on the mic and goes, And you're a winner, Junkyard yeah, I, Dog. Uh, I mean, that was a good one for Jesse to call bullshit on, maybe. That was, yeah. He's, he's got a point with this one. He's definitely got a point. Paul Orndorff versus Tito Santana now. Yeah, uh, the crowd's super into Orndorff here. Uh, I love both of these guys. Tito and Paul start the match off with a handshake, you know, so that we know that it's it's good guy versus yeah. good guy. Gorilla Monsoon is uh, is is suspecting that Tito has <laughs> torn his hamstring in the first match, and it's like, and that's why he has this small strip of athletic tape no. wrapping around his thigh. I'm pretty certain that a torn hamstring would warrant a bit more than an athletic wrap. Well, I mean, I broke my neck one time and I just, I just put a little bandaid on it. It was fine. They get off a really good pace, very deliberate. They're sort of taking their time, you know, sort of some of the classic, you know, combinations like we were talking about the headlock takeover, et cetera, et cetera. Orndorff gets a chicken wing on Tito and sort of forces him to the ground with it. Um, And they're both just selling their asses off. Orndorff really sells the force and the torque that he's putting on. And Tito, of course, selling the pain. Um, yeah. And Tito reverses the chicken wing, make me hungry for chicken wings. 
Um, those guys are going at it. They really have some amazing facials of like selling each other in this match. And uh, Paul Orndorff really shows off some athleticism doing flips to get out of these leg scissors that Tito Santana keeps putting him in. And Gorilla Monsoon actually <laughs> makes chicken wing into a verb. He says he's chicken wing. And that was uh, fascinating. It was like chicken wings a verb now yeah, I, I can no, support I'm, that i'm with that for sure i'm gonna run on down to uh to buffalo wild wings and chicken wing myself yeah. yeah these two are really doing a great great match and then they eventually get frustrated and they start brawling and they eventually fall out of the ring brawling and it's a wwf classic moment oh yeah it's the double count out that happens yeah, every time I was, I was excited for the double count out honestly so there's a, right before they fall out of the ring, they're like tied up uh, on the ropes. They're kind of like, you know, sort of at a stalemate. And uh, Gorilla says, well, what we'll see here is a nice clean break, perhaps. And then Orndorff sort of promptly backs up and tosses an elbow. Uh, that made me laugh a lot. That was, that was great comedic timing. Yeah. And then like Ventura also like comments back like, <laughs> so there's your clean break, Gino. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they coordinated that, but uh, I think it's just experience talking. So, so the, the double count out for this one means that JYD uh, advances to the final without having to wrestle in a semifinal match. And then Jesse Ventura will just not shut up about how unfair all of that is. Um, of course, you know, because to the yeah. point where it feels mildly racist right. because it's Jesse you know, Ventura. Jesse Ventura, you know, number one arbiter of fairness. It also means that Bobby Heenan's $50,000 bounty on Paul Orndorff um, goes uncollected. Um, pretty convenient for Bobby Heenan. Oh, right. He was. Yeah, he was yeah. ranting about something about that. I, 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 for some reason, my brain wasn't absorbing yeah. it and taking it in. But I mean, I, I was just thinking about, um, you know, the scene in Semi Pro where they put the, um, you know, the half court shot up to get the big check, and then the guy actually ends up hitting it, but they don't actually have the money. I think it'd be really funny if that would have happened here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what if that had a botched ending, and then like Tito Santana is like. Knocking on Bobby Heenan's dressing room. Like, hey, hey, where's my money? Could have made hay out of that for a good six months easily. So uh, we get back to the big board because we're heading into the final uh, four semifinal, whatever you want to call it. Um, Lord Alfred Hayes is still trying to make out with the model. I could really do without it. Um, And then we get to Hulk Hogan promo. Oh, yeah. It's a it's another Hogan classic. It's got all the it's got all the all the phrases that you would expect from a Hogan promo. Um, but he's also, it looks like he's wearing a G string on his head or something <laughs> like, I like, I don't, I don't know what that is. T-shirts. It looks like it's like a, sh- like a shred of yeah. one of his t-shirts. I mean, just, just buy a headband. You'd have plenty of money, you know? Right. And then he's also got on like this American made yeah. uh, union muscle shirt. Hawk so, Hogan, big supporter um, of organized labor. Thanks, think, Hawk. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the point in time to where like he's, they're kind of selling his, uh, character as like the blue collar construction, all American. <laughs> Which is the funniest man. fucking thing I think I've um, ever heard. Like, just look at that fucking guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Lots of, lots of blue color guys, color guys going to work, you know, in a, in a ripped tank top and 24 inch pythons. Right after this, WWF puts out another music album that's called Pile Driver, and it has Hogan in like a hard hat and like a dirty wife beater shirt, looking all grimy that he had been out, you know, working <laughs> on building the skyscraper. And someone on Facebook recently uh, had shared some uh, behind the scenes photos that went along with that album, and they're some quite amazing. Like, oh my God, this is amazing 80s wrestling photos of like Vince McMahon in in like a in like a tank top <laughs> sweating on a construction sure. site. Like, yeah, that was, come well, that was on, legit. Uh, you know, 
don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, that, that was a great promo. And Hulk is yeah. sort of the master at that sort of short and sweet, and also getting his brand in. You know, at, at this at this point, like this is sort yeah. of right when Hulkamania is really you know starting to to hit hit big obviously we won't be till wrestlemania 3 when it really kind of reaches its absolute peak but like it's forming as a brand here for sure you know he does this what you're gonna what you're gonna do he throws in yeah. a ton of brothers he's a you know mean gene uh he's gonna piper's gonna feel hulkamania coming down heavy on him so he's he's got the he's got I the mean, package here and he's clearly putting it together this might be the period of time that hogan claims to have have created the the concept of selling merchandise. So he's famously said that oh. he created the idea of selling wrestling t-shirts and and <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh that brings us into the title match for the night and that is uh Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Piper. And I thought it was odd that this is this is this early in the card that I thought that this match would be right before the final match of the tournament just so that the two wrestlers would have some time to rest. But no. This is before the final round yeah. of matches. So yeah, there's still one. There's still one more semifinal match to go, and then the second semifinal match got skipped because JYD got to buy. So then we've we've got the final match coming up after yeah. that. So yeah, so two more significant matches, and they're cutting to this um, sort of ostensibly a main event type thing. It's a little weird. So Piper is billed <laughs> from Glasgow, Scotland. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it says here you're from Scotland. Um, and then he replies in like the world's thickest Saskatoon accent. Hogan's in white tights, and I'm not used to that. I was it made me a little uncomfortable yeah. when he's not in his yellow and red. And I thought it was interesting that the crowd really seemed split over Hogan. Like you can hear significant amount of booing in the crowd when they announce Hogan. And yeah, and down. I think you know, I think Piper obviously had a lot of support, you know, from you know, being a, being a hardcore territory guy. Right. And what, you know, coming in. And I, I think, you know, at this point, there's still plenty of folks who don't really buy Hogan as a legitimate wrestler. You know, he's, he seems like a bit of a, a manufactured attraction as opposed to somebody who's worked their way up like Piper has, you know? So that's, uh, I mean, if you want to talk the blue collar guy in this feud, it, it ain't Hogan. No, it's definitely Piper. Yeah. He had a rough, rough go. So those, these two together, I think, you know, is one of the defining storylines of this kind of mid eighties period. Um, as you know, as wrestling is coming, a really, a, a really big thing. Uh, they had a big face off at the first WrestleMania and a tag match, of course, with Hogan and Mr. T on one side and Piper and Cowboy Bob Orton on the other side. Um, so there's, there's a lot of history here with these two. They got off to a really fast start. So there's, 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 there's beef between them. Like Hogan's music is still playing and they're fighting. And like Piper is all the heel attacks with eye pokes. <laughs> and I love his eye pokes. Like you see him form, point his fingers yeah. out and jab. Like it's so good. And he's like chopping Hogan in the throat, which mm-hmm. that can't feel good. I don't care how, how supposedly fake this is. Like someone even this bumping your throat a little bit has to hurt. And like, here's Piper like throwing karate <laughs> chops into Hogan's throat. Um, and like, Piper lands this amazing uh, delayed front bump like Hogan socked him and like he comes stumbling out of the corner and then flops. It's so good. And like when Hogan locks Piper into a bear hug at one point and the crowd loses its mind like they can't they can't handle it. They they, they're just going to lose it. It's (laughs) a Chicago crowd, man. They're hot. This is a hot crowd. Yeah. But then during that, a Roddy Mm -hmm. chant starts. You can hear the crowd. Roddy roddy like yeah hogan's not completely over at this point yet gorilla monsoon again is amazing on commentary in this match and he's he's uh criticizing pinning techniques from both sides 
and he's just like, you can't. You think you're going to keep him down for three if his arm is out like that? You 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 got to hook the leg. You got to hook both legs. You got to keep your center of gravity on the guy's chest. Like he's just breaking it down and tearing them apart for really bad yeah. pinning, and it's amazing. That's great. So there's a sleeper move and get you know getting closer to the end of this one that uh Piper sort of slings himself across Hogan's back and slaps a sleeper move on, which is a really cool move. Like I don't it's it's pretty impressive to see. Um and he brings Hawk down to his knees and then down to his butt and then down to his side, and then of course you get the hand raise and the, the finger wag and the hawk up. Uh Hawk breaks the sleeper by diving over the rope. It's like the most legit bump Hogan probably ever does in his life. Like it's like I gasped when he did it. It's like, I don't think anybody God, Hogan, what are you doing? That's not a thing. I don't think you know how to do that. There was a real, it was a scary land so, for yeah, everybody so Hogan, on that I mean, Hogan one. is what? Six, six or whatever. And Piper is like six, three. He is clamped onto Hogan's back and the two of them together, both spill over the top rope and to the floor. Like there's no way to control that. Like there's no way to sort of, there's no way to work that. You're just going to fall. And no, Hope you don't snap something. Hogan's like running full speed with Piper on his back and throws himself over the top rope. It's not like it's just like he leans and rolls over the yeah, rope. It's it was, like it was hardcore. He threw so himself I really, over. I like these two it's together scary. a lot, actually. You know, I said this is a classic rivalry. I mean, I think the thing that really sells yeah. Hogan for me is that he's a vulnerable superhero, right? Like he's he looks like Superman, he wrestles like Superman, but he is also vulnerable. He gets the crap beat out of him and he always sort of comes back. Um and Piper on the other hand is a an honest to God street fighter, you know, and he's he like you said, he's got the heel moves, he's got the eye pokes, he's got the actual punches that look like punches so it's two very different styles that just work really well together and this match has a bullshit ending it does it totally does yeah with another pearl harbor job cowboy bob orton running into the ring and jumping hogan and orton and piper beat the crap out of hogan for a good period of time before orndorf shows up with a chair and uh chasing yeah that was everybody that was out not, that was not great i, I mean i get I get why they finish it that way, right? Then it lets the feud continue. You don't necessarily need to see Piper get beat flat and kind of take all the heat off of him, but they, they could have done something a little bit better here. So, uh, and at the end, uh, as we mentioned yeah. earlier with the Macho Man match, there's just a ton of trash flying at Piper at the end of this one, as he comes up the ring or out of the ring and up the uh, aisle. Piper has to be concerned yeah. for his, his safety after this. And then like Orton too, um, <laughs> They both need so, to and then, of the course, it's time for Hogan to pose, uh, pose in the ring and do all his usual moves. His career here. Yeah, so then we get a, a, a Junkyard Dog promo again. And again, he is talking so fast, it was really hard to take notes on it. But uh, one thing that did come out was uh, he had been training for about two weeks. He slimmed down. <laughs> two weeks, huh? Uh, <laughs> thanks thanks for the good effort there. Yeah, two whole, two whole weeks. Like Hogan preps for matches for months and like training montage every day, uh, every time you see him on TV. And then like Junkyard Dog's like, I've been training for about two weeks. <laughs> he, I will say he actually does look pretty good here. He looks a little skinnier than I remembered. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's just my memory playing tricks on me. But I always kind of think of him as sort of a, a much heavier guy. But maybe that maybe that's later JYD that I'm thinking of. So that brings us to the uh, only right. semifinal match. And that is going to be the Dynamite Kid versus Macho Man, which, again, sounds like a classic when you see yeah, it on paper. for sure. Um, like you said, the placement of this one is a little weird. We thought maybe this should have happened and then the Hogan one while, you know, while the fans sort of get ready for that uh, final tournament match. But so 
This is the third time that Macho Man's come down now, and each time his opponent has started in the ring, just standing in the ring while he comes down with the full entrance music, he gets a different outfit each time. They're really sort of telegraphing the uh, the finish to the, the tournament here, I would say. Also, I noticed that the announcer in the ring says, the man who has been victorious so far over Ivan Putsky and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So for nobody else did they mention all the people that they beat in the previous rounds to get to this particular match. So... Um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder who's going to win here. Yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm on edge trying to find out who's going to win needles. this one. So, so Gorilla uh, starts out by really talking about the way that Macho Man treats Elizabeth. Um, he doesn't like that at all. You know, Gorilla's a, you know, he's an old, an old fashioned gentleman. He calls Randy the quote, not so macho man, which I thought was a really sick burn. Good job, Gino. Guys are like running around the ring. They are so fast. Like they're snapping around and stuff like that it's an it's an impressive match and it looks like a match from like from like the hardy boys in like the late 90s as opposed to like this is an 80s match mid 80s match that's normally like just muscle-bound guys grunting and pushing on each other these these two are doing moves they're running around they're popping on each other it's it's an incredible match and in classic fashion, Macho Man, like the huge back body drop yeah, that he takes. That's huge. Um, the Dynamite Kid like sent him flying. And with them moving around and stuff, you can hear the ring. It sounds like a snare drum. Like it's just popping. It's yeah. so loud. It's almost distracting during this. Yeah, match. I kind of wondered if a mic had come, you know, unfastened or something. Because it's, it's definitely going up a notch for this particular round. Yeah, and so like they're back and forth and no one's getting an advantage. And then Macho Man is going up to the top rope to probably land his uh patented double axe handle and dynamite kid drop kicks him he and he like hits him in the chest it's not like just like drop kicking his legs out from under him but like he drop kicks him in the body so dynamite kid jumps the height of the ropes plus half of macho man's height and lands a drop kick yeah that shit was crazy we i mean we knew that dynamite kid was was athletic obviously super fast but man he, he really that's some serious elevation. So we have what I think is the most clever finish of this entire event. After Macho Man takes that drop kick, he's now sitting on the top rope. And uh, Dynamite Kid goes up, puts him into a uh, superplex off the top rope. And it's devastating looking. But Macho Man is sneaky. And as they hit the mat, Macho Man hooks Dynamite Kid's leg with his own leg and traps Dynamite Kid into a pin. And all in one super smooth action. And I don't even think they could do that kind of finish. And anybody could do that kind of finish today. Like that kind of body awareness to make that that hook happen and stuff like that. And then the flexibility to do it. It's just, it's an incredible yeah, finish. Coming, coming right off of a superplex too, right? So you're like bouncing off the canvas pretty hard. Uh, and then just sort of being, having your head about you to, enough to figure out where the other guy's legs are and like rolling your legs up over your own head to catch him. That was, that was super cool. I really liked the twist of um, dynamite kid thinking he won here. So they get the the three count and dynamite kid jumps up, you know, he thinks, Oh, that was my pin. But then, you know, we realized that macho man had caught the legs. So I actually didn't catch the, the reversal the first time I watched it. I had to watch it on the replay when they showed it. Um, it's, it's, very cool. I would highly recommend you take a look at the end of that match. Yeah, the replay is actually makes it even look more impressive because like you can see like they're in midair when Macho Man is moving his leg. So like they've hit the mat and they've bounced up off of it because the damn thing's a trampoline and they're they're in the air and Macho Man hooks 
hooks his leg around Dynamite Kid's leg. I got to go back and watch <laughs> it again, like for like a 15th time now. Yeah, it was point. impressive. What, I mean, what a couple of athletes. So, all right. So kudos to uh, Dynamite Kid and uh, the Namacho Man for that uh, spectacular performance and finish. Um, next up is maybe the worst part of the whole program. There's a giveaway for a Silver Cloud 3 Rolls Royce. There are three different speakers in the ring. There's the WWF head of promotions. There's the guy sort of leading the drawing, which he pronounces drawing. And there's Lord Alfred Hayes. Um, they're all trying to hype up the crowd. Each one of them, when he comes up, says that there were hundreds of thousands of entries. Each each of those three guys since, <laughs> says that pretty much that specific phrase in order. Wikipedia told me that there were 250,000 entries. So, I mean, I guess that's technically correct. Citation is needed. Yeah, so we get to watch these three hang out in the ring. and It takes a long, <laughs> so long time. They're using this to rest Macho Man before his match. You know what would have been a great way to rest Macho Man before that match? A Hulk Hogan versus Piper match. He could have just sat and watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they could have they could have drawn this number backstage, this guy's name yeah. backstage, and then and then have Howard Finkel just go. And the winner of the Silver Cloud Rolls Royce is Michael Hamley from Batavia, Illinois. Like, yeah, fuck that, that guy, guy. For real. You're delaying the show. <laughs> um, we should note that the original VHS release of this event did not include <sighs> this segment. Um, but they decided to put it back in when they uh, uploaded it to the WWE Network or the Cox. Well, thank God for that. So, yeah, the crowd the crowd is not happy. They're they're pissed. They're throwing no. shit. Um, I, somebody says when they draw the winner, they say, "Let's give him a real Chicago cheer." And the crowd goes, "Boo!" <laughs> yeah, that's because everybody just lost. <laughs> that was and pretty pissed. great. We get a uh, Hogan promo right after that. Yeah, right? where he's back in the locker room, uh, you know, with Mean Gene. Actually, I noticed his middle and index fingers were taped together. So I'm guessing he broke them when he uh, tossed his big ass over the top rope with Roddy Piper attached to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They might have gotten caught in the turnbuckle. Yeah. That's untaped. Uh, <laughs> so many possibly. things that could have happened. So that brings us to the, yeah. to the main event, the match that we've been waiting for, the match that actually triggered us to watch this whole thing. And that is Macho Man Randy Savage versus the Junkyard Dog. Yeah. And just to uh, refresh your memory, again, this is the first WWF pay-per-view to feature a black performer in a main event. Uh, hence why we got here in the first place. So Macho Man is in yet another set mm -hmm. of ring attire. And this time it's a tie-dye shirt. <laughs> Looking super classy. Dirty hippies. Macho is also like selling his exhaustion too and it's really impressive he's like limping a little bit he's like hunched over a bit and it's, it's yeah he great. looks beat up for sure uh, when they get down to the ring he uh, sort of hides behind elizabeth you know not so macho move as gino would say we get jyd's music again which i know you love grab them cakes <laughs> grab them cakes that song is a bop i, I think i'm gonna start singing that to my son every night when he I goes imagine he would like it if if he's into uh, Real American, yeah. he would love Grab Them Cakes. Just so you know, though, um, Amazon Music does not know Shit. Grab Them Cakes. I asked my Alexa multiple times to play <laughs> Grab Them Cakes, and Alexa was just grabbing random shit and playing it for me, and Ugh. I was very sad. And then uh, my wife was like, what are you trying to get Alexa to play? I'm like, it's a song called Grab Them Cakes. She's like... I'm not going to ask. And then she oh, just man. walked away. She doesn't get it, clearly. Also, technology is terrible and the future is bullshit. I suspect that the song is not digitized. 
eased into any like actual service. So anyways, to the action, uh, the match kind of starts with a Macho Man throwing a steel chair at Junkyard Dog, but Junkyard Dog catches it and he starts headbutting <laughs> the chair because um, he doesn't right. give a shit about himself or anything. And it's quite a an amusing and spectacular moment. And again, proving that his head indestructible. is indestructible. It's a fact. Macho Man, though, also does an amazing job of dragging out the start of the match and is really building up heat. And that crowd, everyone's got a keg into them at this point, I think. They are frothing at the mouth, wanting to kill Macho yeah, Man. Yeah, Chicago is lit. Um, we get another classic Gorilla Monsoon line of a headbutt to the thoracic <laughs> vertebrae area. Did um, he say, um, does he say external occipital protuberance in this uh, event? Did he say it? Yes. Yes. Yes, he does. I love it. Yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah. It's in the um, it's in the anatomy books. It's that little tiny bony spur at the back of your skull. But I love that he says it. Do you think he has like someone on an earpiece into him, like this reading from Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> I, think he, I think he memorized it when he was on the road. Uh, you know, as one of the when he was in his wrestling days, um, I think he would just read it between towns, and they just decided that's when he decided to make uh, make it his mission to work all of the anatomical vocabulary into his uh commentating i noted that like junkyard dog i i definitely understand why he was a draw he is so charismatic even when in the ring he just holds your attention and he does unusual shit like the the crawling headbutt for example but like he's just he's just a joy to watch he's he's always happy and like it's just it's an amazing thing to see him this match is a classic this match i really enjoyed this match and I feel like it's forgotten to the WWF universe at this point in time and that they need to get some of their current talent to go back and watch this match to really see true face versus true heel work. Yeah, I agree. This was great. And I was not familiar with this special before we queued it up to watch. Um, and so I, you know, I'm really glad that we did. Um, you know, Macho Man kind of does some of his classics. He gets the two big double axe handles from the top rope all the way to the concrete floor. You know, I don't know how his knees lasted more than like a single year of doing that shit but he is healing it up like crazy he's choking jyd on the railing yeah it's amazing he he just he's doing all the yeah, asshole moves sure. um but then he eventually he come he he gets too aggressive and comes hard at junkyard dog and junkyard dog dumps him over the top rope and that impact on the straight concrete floor that was just too much macho man had already been through three fights and now he just ate a big one onto the floor <laughs> and loses by count out and junkyard dog gets the win i was i was shocked and a huge yeah. pop i was huge shocked pop. at that ending actually i did not see it coming that way it's like you don't you don't really see you don't see matches end that way usually you know especially sort of at the kind of like main event level right so yeah it's it's always a trip to see that you know there are no pads on the concrete floor out there it's just it's straight concrete yeah and it was such a dramatic yeah. count out like i cut like i've never seen a count out that exciting like it was, it was impressive. Like how I think it was just like the way Macho Man was selling his landing and junkyard dog, like standing there anticipating him coming back in. And then Gorilla Monsoon just hyping yeah. up the count and hyping the injuries that Macho Man has suffered over the night. It really sold for a great, yeah, great moment. It was a lot of fun. The crowd actually counts and, along with the count out, which I haven't seen before either. And they were yeah. absolutely losing their shit. So they were all in for Jugjar Dog. Yeah. And then they have this wonderful moment. And then Jesse Ventura has to get in the ring and the shit all over it, claiming that it wasn't fair that Junkyard Dog only fought three matches to Macho Man's four. And it's just like, <laughs> shut up. 
Like this is this is stupid. Like they should have just been like, and junkyard dog wins. Good night, everybody. And credits. All right. So should we talk uh, best and worst matches and all that stuff? Did you have a favorite? I did, and it's going to be uh, Macho Man versus Dynamite Kid. Um, they were in a stalemate, and then that incredible finish—the hooking of the leg off of the superplex for a pin—I still I can't stop talking <laughs> about it. Clearly, and that's <laughs> and so I'm gonna I'm going to force myself to shut up now and just say that's my favorite match, and that is why. Yeah, I, actually, that was the one I chose as well. I thought you know there's a lot of fun matches throughout here. They're again they're fast, they're very creative. There's a lot of great talent involved. Most of the matches here have sort of unconventional endings, which is cool. Um, so I. I picked Macho Man Dynamite Cade, but I could have probably easily picked uh, one of a half a dozen. I think Hogan versus Piper was really solid. Um, the main event, JYD versus Macho Man, was really good. So anyway, but yeah, I will also shut up now and just say Macho Man and Dynamite Kid. How about your worst match? Worst match? My worst match? Probably the Moondog versus JYD match for the the weird finish with JYD counting, <laughs> counting for himself. It just seems really cheap and that's not how any of this works. Yeah. I'm, so. I, I'm with you in agreement there because it's not a real match. Uh, I don't, I don't get it. And it's probably the cheapest homebrew bullshit thing I've seen WWF do in a very long time. Yeah. Not, not very good. Even the um, Terry Funk Moondog match before that was better with the sort of, Moondog tricking Terry yeah. into getting himself counted out. I mean, it was also not a match. Uh, also featured Appalachian Boomhauer, but um, it was at least had yeah. something to it. How about your oh shit moment? <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, like the best match, there are quite a few. There's there's so many weird, like, gimmicked finishes that would make, that make you say oh shit. You know, that uh, legs on the ropes finish from the uh, Macho Man early on, uh, lots of super athletic moves from some of these guys. I picked Dynamite Kid like leaving his feet and landing that drop kick on the Macho Man while Savage is sitting on the top rope. Gorilla says he jumped seven feet in the air, which I don't really think, but he gets easily four feet vertical off yeah, of the mat. It's important to point out too that Dynamite Kid was not running into that drop kick. He just stood up and no, drop kicked. He goes him from like, that. like yeah. standing flat. Um, yeah, so it's crazy. I think you can guess what my oh shit moment actually is, and it's tied to that moment, and that is the pin. <laughs> the incredible leg hook pin that happens off of that superplex that happens after that drop kick. I'm going to shut up again because I'm just going to keep ranting about it again. So what would you uh, give this one on your overall review and rating? So I, I'm i like pushing like a 4.1 on this one. Like It's a little bit better than a 4, but not worthy of the 4.5. Um, so it's like a 4.1 out of 5. I would argue with anybody that this event is the reason why wrestlemania 2 happens not because of wrestlemania 1 wrestlemania 1 is fine but this is also the first true pay-per-view that wrestlemania 1 was done over closed circuit television supposedly it had about forty-seven thousand buys which people you know people think that that's not good but this is the early days of cable and to get forty-seven thousand people to, to cough up like probably like 20 to 30 dollars in the mid eighties to watch this is pretty impressive. And they hold it in an arena that's outside of their Northeast territory at this point too. So it's really starting to show the, the coast to coast reach that WWF is forming. And you know, the Rosemont horizon is one of the locations for WrestleMania two of the three that they decided to have. But also the thing about this, this one is that you have all of their stars on the card and they're in singles matches. So you don't have to wait for, 
Dynamite Kid, the tag in, Davy Boy Smith. You don't need to wait for Hulk Hogan to get a hot tag from Paul Orndorff to get in there or anything like that. You have that talent that you get to see featured nonstop through the whole night. You get to see Macho Man in the ring four times. You get to see Junkyard Dog in the ring three times. You know, you get to see Tito Santana twice. It's it's incredible. It's an incredible show and an amazing lineup. And I think the success of this is what pushes them to do WrestleMania 2 more than WrestleMania 1. Yeah, that's a great point. I think, yeah, I would... I would probably agree with you. I think I'd give it probably a four out of, out of five. I don't like to do, uh, I like to keep my, my ratings to the 0.0 or 0.5. So I'm not going to go all crazy and do a 4.1. Cause you know, that's, we just get out of hand, but I'm going to give this one a 4.0 out of five. Um, I think you're right on target actually that, you know, this is, this is a better show than WrestleMania one. I'm just going to go ahead and, and say it. I think, again, the things that you mentioned, the the talent involved, the just, you know, great matches, lots of drama. We got Gorilla and Jesse on commentary. You know, we're starting to get Hawkamania to run wild, but it's not quite at its absolute peak. Uh, so this is just also an amazing time capsule of mid 80s wwf uh and if you are interested at all in sort of that period in professional wrestling and in figuring out what it was about this particular product that people just found so compelling and and caused them to buy tickets and pay-per-views uh you know in record numbers uh this is this is really a good one for you to check out as we do every episode, we like to pay tribute to the men and women who appeared in an event who are no longer with us, because we're going way back to 1985. That list is pretty long. This time includes Mean Gene Okerlund, WWE President Jack Tunney, Lord Alfred Hayes, Gorilla Monsoon, Howard Finkel, the Macho Man Randy Savage, Miss Elizabeth, the Dynamite Kid, Davy Boy Smith, Adrian Adonis, Nikolai Volkov, the Junkyard Dog. Moondog Spot, a.k.a. Larry Booker, Mr. Fuji, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, and actually probably the newest addition to the list, unfortunately, is Corporal Kirshner, Michael Penzel, who actually just died at the end of December 2021. Well, that is going to conclude this episode of All the WrestleManias and our special edition on the 1985 Wrestling Classic. As always, make sure to check us out at allthewrestlemanias.podbean.com or allthewrestlemanias.wordpress.com. On Twitter, we're at WrestlemaniaPod or drop us an email at WrestlemaniaBlog at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. 